We're in a warfare. Does everybody know that's right? We're in a warfare that never lets up. It never will let up until we go to heaven. And then, thank God, the devil is bound. He's gone. But in the meanwhile, we're in a warfare. And I guess what? Whether or not you want to fight, it's sort of like when you're getting bullied in school. You can eventually fight back or you can just give in to the bullying. I'm not going to let the devil bully me in life. And I don't think you want to either. So like it or not, we've all been drafted into a war. And that war includes temptations. Everybody say temptation. Now, the devil is a tempter. And we've seen in our series on uh, the temptations of Jesus that the devil came after Jesus in the wilderness just prior to his ministry. And the Holy Spirit decided to record for us three of those temptations. And every one of them have to do with something in our lives as well. In other words, they're relevant to us. What he hit him with, he hits us with. And everybody say the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And the pride of life has to do with, I don't need God. I don't need God. I can do life without God. That's the pride of life. Because that's not true. We need God. So, we're going to see that Jesus today, the temptation we're looking at is the second one, and it had to do with the lust of the eyes, and I want to read about it in Luke 4, verse 1, starting there. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted. Well, what happened to him there? He was tempted. By who? And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, guess what? He was hungry. And the devil said to him, the devil came to him at his weakest point, said to him, if, when you read if, you know it's the devil, because he always starts out with an if to make us doubt God's word. If you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, what he was offering there is a wrong solution to a legitimate need. Being hungry, nothing wrong with that. But he was tempting him to abuse his power to meet his need. So it was a wrong solution to a legitimate need. And Jesus said, as written, man shall not live by bread alone. But here comes the second temptation. The devil took him up and showed him. There's the eyes. Showed him. All the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I don't know if he was shown an open vision. I don't know if the devil just shot a fantasy into his mind. But in a moment of time, an immediate, just microsecond of time, he saw all the kingdoms of the world and their glitter and glory. He showed it to him. And then he said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Everybody say, not. He's talking to Jesus here, right? I mean, this is brazen. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, get behind me. Get lost. Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you will serve. So he sent him packing. 
Amen? Father, thank you for your word today. We need it. We need it, Lord. So we'll be wise and discerning. Make us more wise and more discerning, sharper spiritually through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't take shortcuts, and you'll understand that in just a minute. Don't take shortcuts. Now, I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Uh, The context of the text is this. Jesus is about to launch his ministry. It's about to begin. And it's going to culminate in his death, burial, and resurrection. So he's about to launch. In in a short time, he's going to be out there casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead, multiplying the fishes and the loaves, walking on water, doing all the miracles that he did, teaching like no man ever taught. So right before being launched, he's attacked. I've learned in many years of ministry that Satan attacks particularly at two time periods. Before a great breakthrough and right after a great breakthrough. That's when he attacks. When you're riding high on a success, he attacks. Just before that prayer is answered, he attacks. So he's attacking Jesus to try to stop him from entering into the ministry that Satan knows is going to destroy him. And it's going to redeem all of us. So he's trying to derail him and stop him before he gets started. Satan knows the Bible. He knows it enough to quote it and twist it. He knows it better than a lot of Christians. Satan knows the Bible. Because in every one of these temptations, he quotes the Bible. Twisting it, which is what he still does today. He twists the word of God. Satan had an idea. He at least knew that the prophecies regarding Messiah in Scripture included the Messiah inheriting all the kingdoms of the world. That he would rule the world with a rod of righteousness. Satan knew that. He had to have known it because he's offering Jesus here what he knew was rightfully his as the Son of God. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And the glory of them. And he said, guess what? I'll give them to you. I'll give them to you right now if you'll just worship me. And that, that means not just worship the devil as a personality, but bow down to his ways, his way of doing things, to the world that he uh, holds sway over. He was tempting Jesus to sell out to him. He's trying to stop him. And so he shows him what Jesus knows he's going to inherit once he does his ministry, dies on the cross, and rises from the dead. Then all the kingdoms, he's going to be Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He's going to rule all the nations of the world. Jesus is going to rule the world one day, and he won't be elected. I know this is a real revelation to some of us, but he's not a Democrat, he's not a Republican, he's not a Libertarian. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and he's going to have a monarchy. He's going to rule over a monarchy. He will be king. And that's what's coming. And clearly, Satan knew that. 
Because he's trying to get him to do what I'm going to call, take a shortcut to what was rightfully his as the Son of God. Just bow down and worship me. Just bow down. You know and I know all the kingdoms of the world are going to be yours. Matter of fact, Isaiah prophesied in the last days the Messiah will reign from Mount Zion in Jerusalem and the entire world will experience his peace. In Psalms 2, 6-9, David says the Messiah will reign over the very ends of the earth from Jerusalem. Psalms 22, David affirms again the Messiah is going to be given dominion over the ends of the earth and he's going to rule over all the nations. All the nations. China, South Korea, North Korea, Asia, Israel, uh, Africa, the, to the furthest reaches of the world, um, the, what we call the landmass of America, all going to be ruled by Jesus Christ one day. Say, Jeff, do you really believe that? I absolutely believe that. I believe a virgin conceived and bore a son. I believe that same son arose from the clammy dead. Why would I not believe he can come back and rule the world? He will. He is. So in the second temptation of Satan, the devil offers him a way to make the kingdoms of the earth his own. And here's the deal. Instantaneously. I can give it to you now, Jesus. And that, that's the rub. That's the crux and the core of the temptation. I can give it to you now. All you got to do is worship me. All you got to do is bow down to my ways and the ways of the world that I hold sway over. You, you just got to sell out to the world and to me. You just have to cut a few corners and compromise a little bit. And I'll give it all to you now. The arrogance of the devil here just blows me away. That he would look God wrapped in flesh in the eye and say, just worship me. How arrogant. What brazen, insane arrogance. Now we see why the Bible says that it was pride that lifted Lucifer up and caused him to say, I'm going to go and overthrow God and I'm going to be like God. Pride has been his problem. Pride was the first sin to stain God's universe. And look at the pride here. Just worship me. Son of God, wow, no need. Here, here's, here's what he's intimating. No need for the painful cross. Uh, no laborious preaching, Jesus. Just think about it. You don't have to go through all the preaching, the persecutions, the rejection of men. No suffering is necessary. I'm giving you a pain-free route to your inheritance, and I'll give it to you now. Take a shortcut. The kingdoms of the world will be yours instantly. So just, just worship me. All you got to do is bow to me. Bow to the devil. And everything that that entails. His ways, his thinking, his ways of doing things. This is a diabolical temptation, but our Lord saw straight through it immediately. But I want you to catch that the devil is a devil of shortcuts. The bait that Satan is dangling before Jesus in this second temptation is the offer of a shortcut to God's will. A shortcut to what Jesus knew was rightfully his anyway. He, I'm giving you a shortcut around the cross. 
I'm giving you a shortcut around the rejection and suffering. I'm giving you an escape from all the waiting and all the sacrifice that you're going to have to do if you go God's way. In short, a quick, easy, pain-free route to God's will. I'm offering it to you now. Now, as I pointed out in the first temptation, Satan appealed to Jesus' flesh, the lust of the flesh. He's starving. He's been without food 40 days and nights. So he says, turn these stones into bread. Notice, he swooped in when Jesus was weak, and he played upon his flesh. The lust of the flesh, John said three things are in the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Satan hits him with the lust of the flesh. Turn the stones into bread. Come on, you know you can do it. If you're the son of God, prove it. Jesus saw right through it, and he rejected it. And and it's interesting to me, in, in the second temptation, it's not the lust of the flesh, it's the lust of the eyes. The Bible says he showed him. That's sight. All the kingdoms of the world and their glitter and glamour and allure, he showed them in a moment's time. He said, you see all that? This can all be yours. All you got to do is take a shortcut and worship me. Sell out to me. Painless shortcut to Jesus' rightful inheritance as the Son of God is what he offered him. Now, this is, this is nothing new. This highlights one of Satan's favorite tactics to offer a shortcut to getting something that should be obtained righteously by waiting patiently on God. So we have here, folks, the way the devil operates and the way God operates. God, more times than not, says, wait in faith, wait patiently, and I will take care of all your needs. Satan comes along and says, why wait? Take a shortcut and you can have it now. Why wait? This is his sales pitch. Why wait? You can have it now. Pain-free, no muss, no fuss. No waiting, no sacrifice. Uh, No painful cross, Jesus. Think about it. You won't have to go to the cross, which Jesus dreaded because he knew what it entailed. We, We know he dreaded it by the Garden of Gethsemane. He sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. If there's any way this could pass for me, Father, let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was dreading the cross. And now here's Satan saying, you don't have to go that route. Take the shortcut and you can have it all now. And he pulls the same scam with people today. It's a scam. It's a satanic scam. Shortcuts are always a scam. I'm going to say it again. Shortcuts are always a scam. Satan is saying to Jesus, sitting here starving, all you got to do is bow down to me. Bow down to the flesh. Bow down to the world. Take a quick shortcut. And you can have everything that is rightfully yours now. The only problem is who it would have come from and how he would have obtained it. Now the hidden hook, there's always a hook in Satan's bait. Amen? Always. If Satan offers you something, his job is to make wrong look right and bad look good. And he's really good at it. To make something look appealing and alluring and uh, legitimate and reasonable. After all, you have this need. God understands your need. 
So instead of having to wait on God forever and a day, take this shortcut and it can all be yours. The hidden hook in Satan's bait is that shortcuts always require compromise. Always. Compromise with God's word. Selling God's word short. Um, taking an end run around God's commands. Uh, and yet the devil still uses successfully this same old trick on Christians. Now why should he change his bag of tricks? They still work really well. Because he offers you and me shortcuts all the time to what we want, what we need, what we long for, what we're hurting for. He offers shortcuts. And, and without stopping to think about the source of what we're being offered, where is it coming from? Who's the source of this offer? Uh, we take compromising shortcuts without really thinking it through. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out is because the Holy Spirit put this account of this second temptation in the Bible for you and I to learn from. Because Jesus was tempted in all points like us, yet he never sinned. He won every time. And he wants you and me to win. And, and so the only way that we can win like he did is to see how he handled it, how he saw through it, and how he got the victory over it. So I want you to notice that, that God wants to have the corner on the provision market when it comes to my life and yours. God wants to be our provider, amen? He doesn't want us to have to take shortcuts. He wants us to see him as our provider. Listen to what it says, Philippians 4.19. We all know this verse. My God, notice my God. Not God out there somewhere, but he's my God. Amen? So here's somebody who knows God, who is owned by God, who is a child of God. My God shall. Notice, not maybe, hope so, perhaps so, if so, he shall. What shall he do? Supply. What will he supply? All your need. All your need. My God, let's read it together. My God shall supply all your let's make it personal say my my God shall supply all my need how according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus now right there we're being told that every legitimate need in our life God will provide for it God will but, but what we do is we take compromising shortcuts because we grow tired of waiting we don't understand why God makes us wait. So we, we take shortcuts with finances. Well, I just won't report everything in my taxes this, this year. Little shortcut. Relationship needs. Oh, I'm just so lonely. I, I just need companionship. And here's this person. Doesn't really know the Lord very much. Not like me, but it's okay. I'll win him to Jesus later. So come on. And, and we go into relationship with somebody that God didn't send because they don't know him. Now, I'm going to meddle a little bit because the word already meddled with me. Can I tell you something? If I go to a church service and the message doesn't meddle with my stuff a little bit, I consider that I didn't hear a good message. Amen? That's five people clapping. I really appreciate that. Mm. 
<laughs> now, sexual needs, God understands. If I get intimate with this person before I'm married, uh, he understands. He's good with that because I'm only human. The need for acceptance from others. I need friends. I want people to like me. So I'm not going to talk about Jesus all the time. We take a shortcut. We take Satan's shortcuts. Let me tell you, the devil's a devil of shortcuts. Satan is a devil of shortcuts. He comes to you and me with shortcuts. It's so important we understand this. God wants to be our supplier. That's clear. He wants to be our provider. But the devil offers shortcuts. And often, he offers the shortcut right before God's provision arrives. He comes up with a shortcut. We want immediate gratification. Our flesh is not a fan of waiting. On God, in faith and in patience. I don't like waiting. I'm up here preaching, and I'm going to tell you, I don't like waiting. I don't like waiting in rush hour traffic. I don't like waiting at red lights. I don't like waiting in the long line at Albertsons. And the person way up there at the checkout counter, their card doesn't work and then they don't have enough cash or they got to go find the price of something and everybody disappears and I'm standing in this line. And I tried so hard to pick the fastest moving line. <laughs> I study the lines before I get in one. And I look at the one that's moving. I like seeing movement in a line. And so I'll stand there in Albertsons with my little cart full of stuff and I'll look and, and and I say, oh, that one's really moving. But as soon as Jeff Wickwire gets in it, it stops. <laughs> and something goes wrong. And, and I can't believe it. I'm looking at the line that I got out of to get into this one. And it's already all the way up to the front. And, and somehow I miss it. And I say, how can this be? I'm under a, a line curse. And then I realize that God may be saying, Jeff Wickwire, guess what? I did that because you need to learn to wait. Come on, everybody. Don't look at me with those halos over your head. And these days I have to be so careful because more and more I go out and people know me. And I don't know they know me until it's almost too late. Cindy and I were at a hamburger place last week. And we're in a line. And it gets up to the front. And we're trying to decide what we're going to get. And she said, well, I think I want this. And I said, okay, I want that. And we make this decision and we tell the guy, this is what we want. He said, are you sure, Pastor Jeff? <laughs> Uh-oh. And immediately I reassessed. Was I being patient? Was I being kind? Was I being Christian? Yeah, boy. Somebody's always watching you. You say you're a Christian. They're always watching you. Well, let's see. We live in a culture of instant everything. We don't like waiting. And Satan knows that. He knows we don't like waiting. He knows our flesh doesn't get into waiting. We want instant satisfaction, instant pleasure. We don't like waiting. We use credit cards to get it now. Even though the money's not in the bank. God will provide, we say to ourselves. We, we dash through Mickey D's instead of cooking. You know, Mickey D's, and now for those of you that are novices, that's McDonald's. McDonald's had a little 
commercial line that's stuck like glue to our culture. You deserve a break today. Now notice they tell you, you deserve it. They're telling you, you being so incredible, so wonderful, so worth a break, you deserve to not have to wait. This is programmed into us. You deserve it. No, I don't. I don't deserve anything. I deserve hell if God didn't save me. Yeah. But here comes Mickey D's. You deserve a break today. And and that's a line straight from Satan. Why wait on God? You deserve it today. Why wait? Why go through all the trouble? You deserve this today. All you got to do is compromise the word a little bit. But God understands you're only human. You deserve it. You're so incredible, so wonderful, so awesome. You deserve the break. Commercial, especially especially late night commercials, they push us all the time. You ever caught the typical phrases? Call right now. Not tomorrow. Not next week when you've had time to pray about what they're offering. Now, before you have had time to pray about it and think that it's crazy if you get it. Call right now. Act now. Limited time only. It's limited. You're not going to be able to get it next next week or tomorrow because it's limited. And our operators are standing by waiting for wonderful you who deserve this today to call now. Boy, the, the, the advertising world, they know our flesh hates waiting. So does the devil. The devil promises what God has promised to supply, but he promises to give it to us quicker. You just have to compromise. The devil's shortcuts to what God has promised to supply always require us skirting the word. As a matter of fact, you can know it's from the devil if you know I'm going to have to compromise scripture to get this. What I'm saying could save your life. I'm all stressed out. I need to get out of this stress. I'm going to try that drug or I'm going to go to the bar and have a few drinks and on it goes and on it goes and on it goes because you've got to get rid of that stress. God understands. God understands. You're stressed out. You deserve this. Why wait? Why bother with all the self-sacrifice? Why bother with waiting on God? Where is He anyway? You've been waiting a long time. Where is God? Has He heard you? Maybe He hasn't heard you. Aren't you sick of waiting? You deserve a break today. Take this simple shortcut. But you've got to bow to Him and you've got to compromise Scripture. Jesus told the story of the prodigal son who clearly fell for the devil's lie and fake promises of a shortcut to personal fulfillment. He had it made in the father's house. He was an inheritor of a fortune. But the devil got to him and said, aren't you sick of sitting in the father's house? He tells a lot of people this about church. Aren't you sick of sitting in the father's house and going through this Christian thing? Don't you think it's time you deconstructed and rethought this faith thing? And there's other gods, other ways, other paths. 
other options, other philosophies, other worldviews. Why don't you try them out? Isn't the father's house getting kind of boring? So this son went to the dad and said, I want my inheritance now. The Bible says an inheritance gotten hastily will not be blessed in the end. And so give me my inheritance now. And he took it. I think it's interesting the father didn't stop him. And he went to the far country. Far from the father's house. And the Bible says, you know the story. He squandered his his inheritance on wine, women, and song. Before long, all the fair weather friends were gone. They They always leave. Your sinner friends will always walk out on you. Your sinner friends will always forsake you. Because they're only there because you can give them what they want. And you are willing to go do what they do. But they'll always walk out on you when the going gets rough or that you have nothing left to give. And this young boy's inheritance was gone. They helped him spend it. How big of them? He wakes up and it's all gone. And he wakes up in a pigsty. A flea bag hotel. In the muck and the mire. And he's eating husk that had corn on it. Remember, the hogs have already eaten the corn off and he's eating the husk. Isn't it amazing what you'll consume when you go out there into the world, what you end up consuming? You end up consuming things you never thought you would. You stay longer than you thought you would. You go further than you thought you should. You end up eating and consuming things that even you look in the mirror and say, I can't believe I'm doing this. And the Bible says he came to himself. That means he started thinking straight again. He, he quit insane thinking. He, he ditched his stinking thinking. He said, what am I doing? Even my servants in my father's house have it better than me. I have lost my mind. You're right. Because anytime we go into sin in favor of the father's house, we're thinking insane. He came to himself. And he went back home. We think of Abraham. We thought he could take a shortcut. Yep, God had promised him a son, and one year turned into two, turned into five, turned into ten. They're getting old. He's looking in the mirror thinking, more wrinkles. Sarah, not doing much better, but I'll never tell her that. (laughs) Come on, man, give me a big amen, And so he goes, where's God? Where's the promise? I'm going to have to take a shortcut. And his own wife said, hey, why don't you sire a child through my handmaid, Hagar? It's time for a shortcut, Abraham. Because this isn't happening. We don't understand God's timing. I'm tired of waiting. Clearly, God doesn't see us aging like we are. So let's do it. Abraham took the shortcut and it brought nothing but strife and division and trouble into his household. Because in his household, later Isaac was born. And as Isaac starts growing up, the work of the flesh, Ishmael, began to persecute the work of faith, Isaac. And anytime you birth something in the flesh, it's always going to be opposed to what you birth in the spirit. 
And so you got this battle going on in the house, and that's why they had to remove Ishmael, because Ishmael was the shortcut. Isaac came by faith. We're still feeling in the consequences today of a Middle East conflict that never ends. It's the ancient hatred, and it started because of Abraham's shortcut. Shortcuts never pay. David, David's promise he's going to be king. Samuel comes in and anoints him with oil right in front of his brothers and everybody. He says, you're going to be the next king of Israel. Didn't happen for 10 plus years. Meanwhile, he had to wait. He had to do it God's way. And one day, as he's waiting, now Saul is trying to kill him every day. His predecessor, the one whose place he's going to take, is trying to kill him every day. He goes to sleep every night with one eye open and a sword in his hand. Tonight could be the night he finds me. So for 10 years, he's sleeping in caves and in open fields to avoid this man, this stalker, an Old Testament stalker. And one day, him and his men go into a cave, and lo and behold, there is his nemesis, Saul, sleeping. His men, his top men, his elites say to him, there he is. God's given him to you. Kill him. David said, no, it's a shortcut. I'm not going to kill him to gain the throne because I will always be accused of taking the throne by my own hands and not by the hand of God. So he refused and he became the greatest king of Israel. We could go through so many different scenarios. Read your Bible and you'll see over and over again some individuals made a promise by God and within a few verses or a couple of chapters, I promise you, you'll find this repeated over and over, they're offered a shortcut. And they either take it or they reject it. They reject it, they inherit their promises by the hand of God. If they take the shortcut... They live to regret it the rest of their life. So we learn two things from this second temptation, and I'm going to close. Obtaining God's goals by taking compromising shortcuts is never blessed in the end. Never blessed in the end. You've got to obtain God's will, God's way, and God's way is to wait in faith and patience on Him. I read this morning one of my favorite verses, I would have fainted, said David. I would have fainted. I would have gone down. I would have perished. Had I not believed, I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Then he says, wait on the Lord and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Amen. Psalms 37, 7, rest in the Lord. <laughs> Can I, modern day interpretation, chill out. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't take a shortcut. Wait on the Lord and keep his way and he'll exalt you to inherit the land. Second thing, shortcuts are easier at first, but harder in the end. Every time. The devil will sell you that if you take this shortcut, it's going to be so much easier on you. And he's, he's right. He just doesn't tell you the rest. 
It's harder in the end. Esau comes out of the field, starving. He's so hungry, he's been hunting all day. Here's Jacob with a red hot steaming bowl of wolf brand chili. And he breathes it his way. He catches the fragrance. And Jacob says, it's yours. All you got to do is sell me your birthright. That's all. Don't pay much attention to that, but you got to sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright because Esau was firstborn. That means the mother load of inheritance was going to come to him from his dad. But he said, sell me the birthright and you can have this when? Now. You deserve it today, Esau. Esau took it, ate it, sold his birthright. And the Bible tells us later he sought for it with tears and couldn't get it back. Because shortcuts are easier at first, but they're harder in the end. Jesus taught that the key to obtaining promises is sacrificial and hard on your flesh at first. Y'all need to hear this. We're walking with Jesus. We're in discipleship. Days are getting darker out there. We need to be together. We need to one another, one another, be together with one another. We need one another. And we're walking with the Savior, the Messiah. He's leading us and guiding us all the way to heaven. Now, how does He operate? He says, the key to getting my promises is to deny yourself and take up your cross daily or you can't follow me. You'll crash. You'll fizzle on the way. Deny yourself. Well, that's just so appealing, isn't it? That would go over great if I was on ABC, CBS, NBC. It's all about yourself. Deny yourself. Nobody. They wouldn't have me back. But let me tell you, Jesus said, when there's a conflict between God's will and your will, you pick up the cross and you follow him and you deny yourself. And you wait on him and his timing. And when it comes, so Jesus handled it this way. Get behind me, Satan. Get out of here. I'll worship the Lord God and him only I will serve. In other words, I will never, Satan, switch allegiances in order to gain God's will. I'll never side with you to get what the Father has for me. When I get all the kingdoms of the world, it's going to be from his hand, not a cheap shortcut. Amen? Amen. And where is he now? King of kings, Lord of lords, soon coming king, name above every other name. Uh, He's got all the kingdoms of the world, and we're about to see it happen. Can you stand up with me? How many of you needed this today? Amen, amen. I'm going to ask you straight up. Let's just talk. Forget about the person next to you. Let me ask you, are you tempted to take a shortcut right now? Is the devil, is he dangling a shortcut in front of you? You're tired of waiting. Where's God? This is ridiculous. I've got needs. Is Is he dangling a shortcut? Are you tempted to take it? I want to urge you to do something today. Reject it. I want you to reject it. I want to urge you to say to the devil, get behind me. Get behind me. 
Everybody say, get behind me. I love that. Get behind me, devil. You're not all that. And this offer of yours is cheap. It's phony and fake. I want the real thing. Amen. So today, uh, I want us to have a moment where we give to God the shortcuts that we're being tempted to take. Financial, sexual, um, relational. Shortcuts. I want what I want, and I want it now, and I'm not willing to wait. You'll pay. If you take the shortcut, you will pay. It'll never be blessed in the end. You believe me. How many have ever taken a shortcut and you're still stinging a little bit from it? Yeah, me too. How many of you are being tempted to take a shortcut? Let's see, honest. Yeah, see, so I talk to the right people. And see, I'm talking to Jeff too, because any of us could sell out and take a shortcut without God's help. So I'm going to pray for you. Let's pray together. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord Jesus? Just say, Lord, today, I want what I get from the hand of God by waiting in faith and in patience and not Satan's shortcuts. I give to you what is coming at me, what is being offered to me, what I'm being tempted to take. And I ask you to strengthen me as today I say, get behind me, Satan. I don't want it. I don't accept it. I reject your shortcut. Now, Father, I thank you for the strength to help all of us here today to be wise enough to wait on God though it seems like it's taking too long. Even so, Lord, we will trust you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If if you prayed that, give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, let's thank Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.